Eight years of free room and board is long enough. That is the feeling of an upstate New York couple who's been trying to kick their 30-year-old son, Michael Rotondo, out of their house. And now these parents have actually gone to the courts, and the verdict is that the judge evicted him. Why don't right. you just move out of your parents' house, like, tomorrow? Uh, I don't have the means to do that tomorrow. Okay. So. Do you have a job? Uh, no. On Tuesday, a New York State judge ordered a 30-year-old man to clear out of his parents' house. <laughs> Michael Rotondo didn't pay rent or do chores. Basically, he's a tiny version of Congress. His parents' home was actually a sanctuary city. And there are a lot of people who have read about your story, and the, the thought bubble is, what is up with this millennial generation that you guys seem so entitled? What would you say to, to those critics? Welcome back to Fox News. I'm blonde. No, you're not listening to Fox News. You're listening to the Shoot This Now podcast, so the exciting. podcast where every week we talk about stories that should be made into movies. My name is Tim Malloy. My blonde co-host <laughs> is Matt Donnelly. That's actually a 30 Rock joke, but it still holds up. Oh, is that from 30 Rock, the blonde it is. thing? It's from one of the live shows. Oh, that's cute. That is cute. Um, we're here talking this week about a story that was recently in the news, as you just heard from our audio introduction, featuring the instrumental from OC's Time's Up, one of the best songs ever, Okay. and the voices of some CNN and Fox News personalities. Um, the CNN personality, not personality, actual journalist, Brooke yes. Baldwin. Let's call them anchors. Yeah, anchor, um, asking some hard questions of the main person in our story today, Michael Rotondo, and some Fox News folks, uh, Greg... Greg Gutfield mostly mm. making fun of him. Greg Gutfield's and also, a great Aaron Sorkin TV name. <laughs> like we discussed last week, like Mackenzie McHale, a Sloan Sabbath. And he's also making fun of Sanctuary Cities. Which is not great. Okay. So that's where we're at this week. We're telling the story of a young man whose parents evicted him from their home. His childhood home or, or his family home, which is probably a story you've heard of. Yeah, it was all over the news a few months ago. It became a national and international mm -hmm. story. And this week we ask, why? And, yeah, how? Yeah. Let's do the five H's and W's. What, where, when, why, how? We think this would be a great movie, but we don't think it's a great movie necessarily about this family drama. Mm -hmm. We think it's a great movie about how this small family drama really blew up because of people's generalizations and stereotypes about millennials. And that this situation really reflects what a kind of bad crabs-in-a-barrel situation we're in economically in America. Yes. Tim, my co-host, sees a deep social context inside this innocuous human interest story for what this country is and what it's become. Yeah, because the story didn't really take off because this tale was so compelling. It took off because people put imposed their pre-existing views on it. And, yeah, pr largely projected what they, their anxieties and their fears and their judgments about themselves and their children and millennials and baby boomers and everything. Yeah, you heard those Fox News folks snickering at this 30-year-old yeah. still living at home. So, Tim, tell us what happened. What, what, ha what happened? With, well, with, yeah. and I should say you discovered this masterpiece because I kind of missed it when it all went yeah, down. Yeah, and I actually watched it, and I have to tell you, this unfolded in the real in real time, and it was covered on cable and on the internet in the same way that 
any other really pressing story was. Like, there yeah. were multiple days of development. So it was almost like one of the Trump episodes. Like, if there's a flare-up, <laughs> we, 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 you know, we saw it through. Or, or the way you'd cover something like a celebrity divorce. I think there was a lot of appetite to see what happened next as each court, as each court date came. Um, BuzzFeed was all over, a deep backstory. It's just so fascinating to see. It got pretty bread and circusy. Yeah. Um, Brooke Baldwin's interview, I I don't know her work that well, mm-hmm. but you know, she's clearly the real deal. She's on CNN. She's questioning him like he's lied to Congress. <laughs> I mean, she, sho- she shows a lot of empathy at points, but like that look that journalists give people during a really tough interview, yeah. he was definitely getting that look. <laughs> um, so in May of this year, 30-year-old Michael Rotundo gets evicted by his parents. He'd lived with them for eight years, and they decided they'd had enough. Because there were cameras in the courtroom, Somewhat inexplicably, we got to watch him argue with the judge for more time to stay with his parents, pleading that he deserved six months to find a place to live. Many people, suffice it to say, did not find him to be a sympathetic figure. No. Um, when the judge said he saw no reason Rotondo couldn't move out immediately, his mother asked the judge to delay the deadline a few days to June 1st. Rotondo told the press, I'm not grateful for those days. And then he said something that makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the logistical problem that was keeping him from moving out. Mostly, I need to start packing my boxes so I can move but I have to pay for the boxes, which might be a problem. So depressing. Eve Pizer, who wrote a very good essay about this for Vice, said, quote, long-haired and bearded with unadorned glasses, Rotondo resembles a sad, twisted version of David Foster Wallace. Infinite guest, one Twitter user <laughs> quipped. His gaze vexed in an adolescent sort of way, exuding a vague emptiness. By the way, um, Eve, I, I love how she makes in this situation uh, David Foster Wallace some kind of mogul. <laughs> like as if he's some sexy Iron Man, Tony Stark playboy, and now Rotondo is the sad, broke version. They're pretty much the same. David Foster Wallace wrote some pretty good books. Oh, I'm not talking about the quality <laughs> of his writing. I'm talking about how, like, she, as if he's some sad version of some sex symbol. You know what I mean? <laughs> so why is this unfortunate situation national news, international news? Why does it merit coverage in the Washington Post, CNN, BBC, and the New York Post? Of all journalistic institutions. By the way, did they have a fun Cynthia Nixon headline today? I haven't looked. Oh, I haven't looked either. We were taping this podcast. I think this will air soon, but Cynthia Nixon last night did not not win yeah. the nomination for, or did not beat Cuomo for governor, which is I don't know so what they're going to come up with. Like, I know. It's, there's yeah. got to be a sex in the city. Cynthia pun, Nixt? Um, oh, maybe. Or maybe something like, um, read her her Miranda rights. Oh, okay. Because yeah. Yeah. Anyway. losing an, ele- an election is akin to a crime. But why did... Um, don't edit me in real time on the air, Tim, okay? I might not have time to edit the podcast, so I have to do it live. Okay. There was a lot of debate about this story. This is one of the stories that you could hit from like a multitude of angles and when people start talking about it they find yeah. 50 different things to talk about but there was debate about whether he was to blame whether maybe his parents were to blame for not preparing him for the real world there were comparisons to the Matthew McConaughey movie Failure to Launch Right. Um, and most of all there were questions about whether his story was a reflection on millennials at large and I personally wondered how his family drama had spilled out in the court so publicly but the more I thought about it the more I thought his story wasn't the real story it was a very dumb distraction from the real story of what's happening to America. Um, And I think this should be made into a movie, but I'd like that movie to be kind of a Trojan horse to get us to tell the story of growing inequality across America between an asset class, people who have stocks, people who have property, uh, people who keep winning, and a working class that keeps losing or just disappearing into their relatives' extra rooms. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Whatever their age. Suffice it to say, many people treated this not as a Michael Rotondo story, but as a millennial story. 
Um, it plays into the stereotype of millennials as overeducated and freeloading, living in a state of arrested development, afraid to face reality. As Pricer put it, a real-life iteration of the worst millennial stereotype, it's no wonder Rotondo's story was quickly picked up by national and international news sources. He's every young person's worst nightmare of how they might end up if they fail miserably, an archetype for baby boomer scorn. And let's look at the loaded language in some of the coverage. The mm -hmm. New York Post, which loved this story, yeah. called him a deadbeat, a freeloader, and an unemployed millennial. Um, MSN, Fox News, and the UK tabloids, The Sun and the Daily Mail, also referred him as a millennial. Business Insider gets a little redundant, calling him a 30-year-old millennial. Yeah. Yeah. Saying someone's 30 years old is a descriptor, but saying he's a millennial is grouping him in with his entire generation. Like, you never hear that a baby boomer man shot and killed someone or a member of the greatest generation was indicted, or a Gen Xer was accused of assault. Yeah. Mostly because Gen Xers are like, great, and we would never do that. Crow Magnon gets a TV show that actually happened. It was the guy called Caveman. Anyway, go ahead. Great show. Um, sure. Even if these stories don't endorse the stereotype of the entitled millennial, they feed off of it. And Brooke Baldwin on CNN, um, to her credit, addressed this stuff very directly and honestly, didn't really dance around it like some of these headlines did. She asked him straight up, as you just heard in our intro, what is up with this millennial generation that you guys seem so entitled? What would you say to those critics? She was giving voice to those critics. Hmm. Um, so you're probably wondering what happened to Rotondo. He did move out of his parents' house. Within a month, he gave tons of interviews, including one to the New York Post, where he told them that he was living in an Airbnb in exchange for doing yard work. Hmm. We saw a video of him mending fences. Not mending fences with his parents. I mean, actually <laughs> mending a fence. <laughs> uh, lugging around bags of what seems to be fertilizer. He also mentions that he's suing his former employer, Best Buy, for discrimination, yeah. saying they made him work on the day he was supposed to have visitation with his eight-year-old son and that they didn't put those kinds of limitations on female employees. Yeah. And his own, his own struggle with childcare and being a, and being a separated or single father does, didn't play in almost any of the initial coverage of this, which is fascinating, don't you think? The way it played was, here's a guy looking for another handout, this time from Best Buy instead of from his parents. Yeah, but also the, his son didn't appear anywhere in the coverage of the initial story, which is fascinating. If this is a single mom living at home with her parents getting evicted, that's another... That's really interesting, yeah. yeah. And actually, in the CNN interview, um, Baldwin did say, you know, my heart goes out to you for the situation with your son. Yeah. But I think it got lost in a lot of the coverage when he was just, you know, spoiled 30-year-old living at home. Yeah, because that's, that's the story that people want to hear. It's so yeah. kind of fascinating, right? People wanted to project their anger on him and, by extension, on all millennials, which is crazy. I'm not defending him. I mean, his story is complicated and weird and quirky and has its ups and downs. But, you know, think about the people you know in your own life and how well you know them. Right. And then try to imagine if you extrapolated, consider how little you know the people you know. Right. And then think about how hard it is to extrapolate across an entire, you know, 20-year age range of people in their cohort. Um, so the, the Best Buy situation, if you're interested, he worked at Best Buy from 2012 to 2015 until he was fired. Um, he told the New York Post, I was fired basically because I was a single male parent. Also, dude, stop talking to the New York Post. Exactly. They're not giving you good coverage. They're not framing you in the way you... <laughs> <laughs> um, Best Buy, of course, says that's not true. Right. At some point, there's a backlash to the whole narrative that he's a slacker, which we'll get into. Um, but I wanted to talk first about the word slacker. Yeah. What do you associate with slacker? Slacker, I when you say slacker, I immediately, for some reason, and this... I'll be honest, because I think it plays into your thesis anyway. I think of someone like white teenager at the mall, burnout, mm -hmm. um, pot smoking. I think of like a sophomore in high school. Are they of a certain generation or time frame? No, but I probably think of people my age, and I'm thirty. I'm thirty. 
33. <laughs> I'm still 33, yes. Okay, I'm 43, and mm. when the movie Slacker came out, I was 16. And okay. it was one of those things where people said, this Richard Linklater movie is like the the perfect summary of this generation. Yeah. You know, they're quirky, they're trippy, they have misadventures around cool cities like Austin, Texas. They don't have real jobs. Um, they just talk a lot about 70s TV shows and what they mean at a deeper level. That last part is true. We do yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, also, I, this is certainly not the first time I think you've even referenced this, this specific um, point on our podcast, but anyone who listens to Shoot This Now knows that Tim and I are fans of Kroll and Mulaney, yeah. who based their entire Oh Hello <laughs> show and Too Much to Know show on characters that embody a generation of New Yorkers who lived through the 70s who think that they are imbued with some kind of extraordinary wisdom yes. or life experience that makes them more suited or wise beyond their years that is frankly not true in many cases but it's it, i think it's the same thing that where, where that motivation for projection comes from where it's like my la my generation me and my peers are the last ones who did it right yes you know? it's almost like every older generation somehow thinks that every younger generation is lazy yeah <laughs> and then that younger generation grows up and becomes the older generation and thinks that the next generation is lazy yeah and then this keeps going on and on and none of us learn despite having been the victim of that stereotype right. ourselves right it's weird um, it's really weird to watch it with Baldwin and Rotondo because watching them, I thought they were about the same age. Like, I figured they're both yeah. about 30. Right. Um, it turns out she's 39, so she's barely a Gen Xer. Yeah. Like, she could, if she wanted to say she's a millennial, she could. Um, and it's, it's interesting that we have this one person who supposedly represents the entire generation, but on the other hand, we have this other person who, guesses, who could just as well represent millennials yeah. or late millennials. Right. Um, <laughs> who is incredibly successful. Yeah. She's wildly successful. She's the one asking the questions. And yet there are people whose prejudice will impose the whole millennial spirit onto him right. instead of onto her, right. which was interesting to me. There's a suggestion that this is a generational problem, but the gap isn't actually based on age. It's based on money, yeah. as we're going to see. The notion that some people don't have money because they just don't work hard is based on the false notion that our current system is completely fair. Mm -hmm. If you work hard, you'll win. Um, that's not the case, and that's, uh, that's one of the points made by Eve Pizer again, writing for Vice. She says, complaints about millennial laziness and entitlement fail to take into account the financial burdens unique to the generation, the crippling student debt, mm -hmm. the fact that the median income for people between, I'm sorry, for people 25 to 34 is 20% less than it was in the 1980s, and the lack of the same high-paying job opportunities available to past generations. Census data also shows that as of 2017, Almost one in five 25 to 34-year-old men lived at their parents' homes, while only 12.5% of women in the same demographics still resided with their parents. This is largely a problem of men. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying it's limited to men, but it is a factor. We're also seeing a lot of these industrial jobs disappearing. Yeah, automation is only going to make it worse, too. Mm -hmm. um, so while you hear a lot lately about how great the U.S. economy is, it really depends on who you are. There is more wealth. That's pretty indisputable, but it's in the hands of the wealthy. You hear this idea a lot when Trump talks about how good the economy is. Um, okay, but why isn't it reaching everyone? Yeah. And I, I was curious of that theory, and I decided to glance around, and it smacked me right in the f I mean, usually my attention span is such that when I go looking for something, I get distracted and don't look for it anymore and forget I was ever looking for it. But in this case, it was right <laughs> in the front page of the New York Times. <laughs> it was right there before I could even forget to look for it. Um, there's a story by Pulitzer winner David... Leonhard called, we're measuring the economy all wrong. And he points out that stock values are way up, but median household net worth is actually 20% lower than it was in early 2007. 
He notes that the number of working age adults who are not working and not looking for work has surged. He writes, quote, many of them would like to work, but they can't find a decent paying job and have given up looking. They're not counted in the official unemployment rate. That's the thing. If you stop yeah. looking for a job, they don't count you as unemployed. That's crazy. So the people who are counted as unemployed are the ones who are trying to find jobs and can't find jobs. The ones who are like, this is utterly hopeless, are somehow just taken out. Because of this, the official unemployment rate is under 5%, but the rate of 25 to 54-year-old men who are not working is almost 15%, according to Leonhardt. Wow. So these numbers, the numbers that we're seeing and that we're, that we're barraged with are not necessarily the best reflection of what is actually happening. Yeah. Think of your own family. Think of the people you know. Think of, think of your life and whether these numbers that you're seeing actually reflect you. If they are, great. Yeah. You're probably really rich. Yeah. Um, if they're not, <laughs> maybe, you're, your maybe you're onto something. <laughs> yeah. Um, this point was made accidentally by a big chain that pulled a cute PR stunt after Rotondo became international mm. news. In a statement on Facebook, this restaurant chain, Via Italian Kitchen, offered him a job at one of its 250 locations across the country, and they used this like really kind of like condescending, like, we got you, bud. Ugh. It said, at Via, we feel for millennials across the board. It's tough out there. Note, they're making it about all millennials, not yeah. just about one guy. With that said, we're offering you a store-level gig complete with extensive training to get you up to speed at any of our 250 locations worldwide. Um, I think they have 250 locations based on that. Yeah. Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. How <laughs> many are there? Uh, 250 oh, cool. locations. Okay, great. So the, the really anywhere I go, there's one. Okay, great, great. But as I think we've pointed out, this isn't a millennial problem. This is a job market problem. Mm -hmm. As we see from the comments on the post, which are heartbreaking, people writing directly to the company asking for oh. jobs. And now, do you want to read some? Do you sure. want me to read some? I'm not going to do any accents because I, I, I can't top Irish bird soup. But one user wrote, wish you had a store in Odessa. I need a job, but not a lot of openings other than oil field. And even they aren't wanting a 52-year-old. Um, someone else wrote, hey, via Italian, I'm a single mom, college student, and currently looking for a job that will help with scheduling me at times that are standard, when, our, when standard daycares are open. I moved out of my mom's house when I was 18, and I've been working ever since any job is available. And then they're just heartbreaking. They keep going on and on. And there's, someone, there's some people who sound like they could use an opportunity who turn their anger on Rotondo, like so many people following this story did. I served my country in the USMC. Um, people in California, New York, that's the U.S. Marine Corps, mm -hmm. and worked for 40 years. Just kidding. Come on. Uh, Come on. So rude. After retirement, <laughs> I took another job. What is Via Italian Kitchen going to do for me? Oh, I know. All caps. Absolutely nothing because I am not a lazy layabout do-nothing millennial. Dang. That's, also, that's do, how a Marine insults a millennial. Do nothing, wow. is, do nothing is the most baby boomer term I've ever heard in my entire life. I like it as a noun. You're a do-nothing. Yeah, that's the great famous Ronda <laughs> Rousey quote. I'm this not a do-nothing bitch, anyway. <laughs> this is crabs in a barrel. This is crabs in a barrel fighting. Whenever you give people no opportunities, you mm -hmm. divide them by racial or ethnic or generational lines. In their desperation, they don't claw at the people who put them in the barrel. They claw at each other in the barrel. And here's one more fun thing. Rotondo doesn't even consider himself a millennial. No. At the end of that little clip that introduced our show, um, we heard him ask, what's up with millennials? And he told her he doesn't consider himself a millennial because millennials are liberal and he's conservative. Oh, well, now I hate him. No, I'm <laughs> Just kidding. I'm so kidding. this narrative is not lazy liberals versus responsible conservatives or vice versa. This is a unique story of one uniquely weird situation. As Pizer writes, his story is an embarrassing cry for help. And for whatever reason, he lacks the emotional constitution and life skills he needs to move out of his parents' house. Where is he now? Still suing Best Buy. 
Uh, Syracuse.com wrote about him just the other day, disclosing court records that say he failed to pay child support. A judge scolded him for paying thousands on a storage locker for an 89 Camaro instead of spending that money on his son. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading an Onion article about Joe Biden, not about – no, no. That is actually – you know how the Onion used to portray Joe Biden as this like beer swilling Trans Am driving, like taking off his shirt, washing the Trans Am in the White House driveway oh kind of guy. Yeah. Um, um, everybody's working for the exactly. weekend. Exactly. And if you go to Delaware, it is Deep South meets Dokken. It is so Ooh. like, it is so like awesomely metal. Like the so redneck much acid Riviera. Wash, like acid wash <laughs> and like. Oh, the best haircuts. I love Delaware. I love Delaware. So I guess that's what The Onion was making fun of. Oh, my God. I used to God. just read my wife stories, uh, The Onion stories on Joe Biden as we fell asleep. And that's we were just, so nice. They were so funny. Oh, my God. Anyway, they're making this guy sound like The Onion's version of Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> he also said, <laughs> Rotondo also said he didn't want to work in retail or fast food because he didn't like the long-term prospects, which, yeah, that's fair. Um but the main takeaway, you know, we're going to try to – we have so many of these people who have already imposed their beliefs about the entire generation on this one guy. Yeah. Um, that isn't the real story. It's a distraction from the real story. His generation, the youngest generation, is the future of our country. And right now that future looks like the rich getting richer. We have a situation where the people who have stocks in real estate are doing really well. And the people who don't are struggling to get a hold of anything. Wow. Uh, one sort of happy, positive note, a week before his story broke, the Washington Post published a really excellent advice column by Michelle Singletary to millennials where she says, hey, um, if you want to live at home, that's a great idea. That's a really good way to save some money to pay off your student loans to get started in life or to pay down credit card debt or whatever, Put down enough, uh, save up enough money to buy a house eventually mm-hmm. and get in on this uh, asset class. Um, so she actually says, you know, living at home can be a great thing. Yeah, set a plan with your parents to live for a number of years and then maybe move in out. <laughs> Did you ever live with a relative after you were an adult? No, no. Wow. I actually, yeah, and I, well, I think that um, when I was an undergrad, I said that as if I went to grad school. I did not because I, <laughs> I know what to do with my money, and it's not that bullshit. Um, no, I, my mom never wanted me to live on campus because she thought it was too coddling. I got an oh. apartment right away. Nice. I never, I, but I did live at home for freshman year and commuted because my college is in my town. Mm-hmm. So I went to Temple. Me and Bill Cosme, you're all welcome. Um, oh, wow. Is that too much? I'll take that one more time. No, no. I we're, lived we're, keeping, we're keeping that in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, not going to go through this thing just to take off. And guess who Bill has Cosby. an award from Temple? Not me. Um, Wait, they took it away. No. They must have taken it away. I, don't, I think the Temple should take away his award and then give me an award. I That's agree. what I think. Anyway, um, I, should, I, I, I what, if, what if they gave you an award, but it was called the Bill, the Cosby, Bill Cosby Award? award? Would you accept it? I would not, but I would send a press release about rejecting it because <laughs> it would make me feel good and it would get me attention. Um, <laughs> Matt Donnelly refuses to accept the Bill Cosby Award for achievement. And by the way, what would the Bill Cosby Award be for? Be in service of achieving achievement of what? Yeah, At, a perfect consistency of pudding. Consistency of pudding. Oh, mm-hmm. don't you hate when a good joke gets ruined by your bad pronunciation? I'm on a lot of cold medicine, like I told Tim. Sorry if I'm loopy this podcast. Anyway, I, I moved right out into my own apartment, and I think that it, that actually um, sort of taught me at a younger age. Yeah. Uh, the excite. It was a very exciting responsibility to have when all my friends were on campus and like complaining about room. I mean, I had roommates, but they were complaining about like living in a zoo, and I'd be like, "Sorry guys, I'm just really cool. I'm just gonna like have my 17 keys on my key ring and like do my thing in my city apartment." Yeah. Um, but then. Uh, 
Yeah, I, but I've had friends that have gone back home, or or I've had friends that d- have done true gap years. Yeah, between college and 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 starting their careers, and have lived at home and have, have loved the time to just yeah. process. And I'm you know not a spring chicken anymore, so they all have successful careers. One total generational advantage I got mm-hmm. is I was at home buying age during the housing boom, boom. when they were basically yeah. handing out what is home buying mortgages. Age? I mean, I was 35. I was 28, but I was. <laughs> ah, but, but how depressing that I just no, said 35. No, no, no. Yeah. But I was. It was at a time when they would just give you loans. Yeah, exactly. It was. I put. I'd saved money. I'd saved money. I actually moved back with my parents and saved like enough for a down payment. What I thought was enough for a down payment, yeah. which was like ten thousand dollars, and then my real estate person was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they'll just give you a loan for the whole value of the house." Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. I mean, and that's like a major advantage. If I'd been born four years later, I would have been walking into a crash instead of walking into a, walking into a, upswing type market. Yeah, I had. Um, I, f- I don't think she had a problem with me saying it. I had dinner with Beat- my, our my coworker Beatrice Verhoeven, who's been on the podcast before, and her father, who is a German, medical field executive, uh, who came to the states to visit her, and we all were all sitting down, and I was complaining about my apartment because mm. um, it's from mid-century, and I've had to do stuff like knock out the windows to put in air conditioning units and cut glass for hoses and like do it. It's oh, very, wow. it looks very beautiful, but it's not modern at all. And he said to me, um, he said you should move into a place that's newer and that's got more amenities because life is short. And I said, right, but shouldn't I be saving to buy? And he said, he's like, I don't know. He said, rent is rent, life is short, and if this mm. makes your life easier. I'm a busy person. Like, because that—that's my thing. Like, live and um, compromise and be frustrated with the place until you can buy one of your own, and then spend your life fixing that up. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't no, know. I yeah. agree with that. I yeah. actually, I actually agree with that. I think short term. One thing that you don't get when you're young because you just haven't had a lot of years go by. Yeah, is like the benefit of doing things long term and withholding happiness now for happiness later. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. such a huge part of it. Yeah, and I mean, when you see like 43 year olds who are like. Oh, the economy is great. Well, it's because they joined their company's 401k when they were 25, right? And they put three dollars in every week. Yeah. And now that's worth it. It's a ton of money. Yeah. Because 20 years have gone by. But if you're, you know, if you're the 25 year old in that scenario, you're like, this is never going to make a difference. The thing I would like to go back and tell my young self is like, these little things you do now will make a difference. Right. The good things or the bad things. Right. And brush your teeth, dude. What are you doing? Floss. Come I know. On. Come I on. know. That's me talking to 25 year old myself. Okay. I'm looking at you, but I'm seeing my young self with yeah. better teeth. There's a book that Sarah Jessica Parker recommended to me, not to me personally, but that's where I got the recommendation from, called To Rise Again at a, at a Decent Hour or To Rise Again at an Early Hour. Huh. It's about a dentist who is doomed to, to watch the receding health of his patients. And he's like, you have plaque. I give you 15 years. It's like the, your mouth is the portal to everlasting life. Just take care of yourself or else you're going to die. Oh, God. Anyway, sorry to put that fear of God in you. Let's do what we do here every week on the Shit That's Not Podcast and cast this film. Let's do it. Michael Rotondo, I don't, have you thought about it? I have. I have. Okay. I would love for Miles Teller to get fat and wear a wig and a prosthetic beard and play this part. Wow. Not that we're saying Michael Rotondo is fat, but we'd like Sorry, the character like, yeah, of Michael oh, Rotondo. God, Tim always body shames you for body shaming people. <laughs> um, it's so annoying. It's so, <laughs> that's double taxation, Tim. I'm heart shaming um, you, to be, for the record. I'm shaming your heart. Your also, dark Tim, heart. Is, I did some feng shui cleaning at my desk this week, and I left this pre-workout poke called Lean Fire on Tim's desk, and he'll never forgive me for it because he thinks I was calling him fat. Oh, like, yeah. He's the skinniest person I know. Quick reader poll. Um, if you were a fat kid all your life, 
and then one of your coworkers left a fat-burning, uh, a container of fat-burning pills on your desk. Would you take that as Tim a compliment? Tim is a muscular string bean, Come and he's on. over here talking to me about how no. fat he is, and it's all body no. dysmorphia, which when I is not at, a real When disease. I worked at TV Guide, somebody left breath mints <laughs> on my desk. That's what? Somebody left breath mints on my desk. Yeah. So it's like... That's so passive aggressive. It, it probably goes back to the teeth. Are I you sure it, it wasn't? Are you sure it wasn't just a mistake? It totally could have been a mistake, but I didn't take it that Were way. Were they brand new? Were they unwrapped? Uh, yeah, they're brand new. Oh, unwrapped. Jesus. Yeah. But it also could have been somebody trying to psych me out. That, yeah, that's true too. Like, who knows? I told TV, you. TV Guide was a real. I told you this. I probably should say, remember the deodorant thing? No. I lived in a. I, when I studied abroad, I had to share a suite. Well, by the way, I just love how I just bragged that I never lived on campus. I did live in a <laughs> dorm style setting when I studied abroad, but that doesn't count because it was cooler um, with five other guys. And yeah. um, a girl on my program said, you should take one's deodorant and put it in the other's drawer in your immediate <sighs> sleeping area um, because th- like so in case it gets too chummy or just to play mind games with them. She's yeah. like, because that, that guy will forgive him for it, but he'll never forget. That he wow. stole your, I'm like, wow, that is a crazy mind game. So yeah, maybe someone was trying to psych you out, Tim. See, that's the kind of living situation that makes you live with your parents forever. Yeah, because it's it's tough. So I see Miles Teller. Who do you see? I think Miles Teller is great. I also like Miles Shia. Teller is 31, by the way. Ooh, I also like Shia LaBeouf. Shia would be great for this as well, but maybe he's getting too old at this point. Really? Yeah, Shia. Yeah, hmm. Shia would be. Also, Shia has that kind of like. It has that, like, he'd really lean heavily into the sun thing and try to find, like, a <laughs> strong emotional character arc. Um, and then I'll, I'll look, while I look at the Rotondos as the parents, who do you think should direct this? The parents are, like, invisible. Yeah. We can cast anyone as the parents. The parents can be, like, Jane Lopper and Danny Glover. <laughs> like, it doesn't, they're barely in it. The Just parents are those um, flailing arm things that you put outside a car dealership. <laughs> the parents might as well be the parents in the Peanuts cartoons going like, wah, 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 Actually, you're right. Wah, it could be anybody. All right, no, here they are. Oh, they look so tired. I know. It's like Cherry Jones. Okay. And Ben Kingsley. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And it, right. it's an HBO original movie. And I'm going to say <laughs> that Nicole Holofsener should direct it. Okay. Because she's really good about how money and class impact relationships. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I was going to originally say, uncreatively, um, it, <laughs> should be, it should be Mr. Big. Um, Chris Noth, great. Oh, no, not, <laughs> not, oh. not Mr. Big Chris Noth, but the director of The Big Short. Um, oh, Adam McKay. Adam McKay. He would have a great lens on this. Because he would find, like, the heart in it, but he'd also have, he'd be smart enough to have the moment where, like, Anthony Bourdain and, well, sorry, not Anthony Bourdain. I'm sorry. But, and Margot Robbie. Well, you know how wow. the Big Short had Anthony wow. Bourdain and Margot yeah. Robbie popping up to explain it, things. Um, popping up to explain complicated things. I think he could have people like that popping up to say, by the way, here's the amount of debt carried by the average millennial compared to other generations. Here's the number of millennials living at home compared to other generations. By the way, did you know that millennials graduated into a massive recession uh, that was not their doing? Um, yeah. And that would be just like... A, That's a genius way to look at this, yeah. Like, and I, I, the main point I want to make in this thing is like, people in power profit when everybody not in power fights amongst each other and blames each other for what went wrong, whether it's racial. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that at the top of the show, we heard that quote where somebody said, oh, his parents' house was turned into a sanctuary city. So it's like, let's stoke resentments of millennials and immigrants at the yeah, same time. Totally. Let's rile the base everywhere we can, everywhere we turn. Let's, let's rile them up and blame them for everything that we perceive to be wrong mm-hmm. in this country while our stocks go up. I also think that that, 
that you think it should be Adam McKay and I think it should be Nicole Lofsen are beautifully describes who we are as people. Because <laughs> I see it as like a textured, sort of well-decorated chamber drama <laughs> that has very frank and cynical dialogue, but it's only about how money affects interpersonal relationships, whereas you want to go macro and talk about the massive social and infrastructure changes. Um, because because I, 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 I think I said this to you before when we talked about doing this as, as, as an episode, but for me, the whole story is when Michael Rotondo comes home and closes the door and his mother hears it click or hears his keys hang up, what happens then? Yeah. Well, do they come to the same table? Was, did, does he sleep in the basement and does she pass the door every night before she goes up the stairs mm. and does she linger there? Like, what do I say? That's what kills me. I want to know what are the conversations they don't have. Well, we need a movie like you're describing with like lots of big fertile silences. Yeah. <laughs> and and like a like a harp score. Something or like maybe a fun light score. Yeah. I don't know how you do it because the movie I'm making I realize has the risk of turning into a link later movie I don't like, yeah. Fast Food Nation, which feels more like a pamphlet. Yeah. Where it's like a bit of a lecture. And Stats, I feel I feel yeah. like I'm a little bit harping on these points because I got I got unex. I thought this would be like a you, funny. You had, you had a fever about it. Yeah, I did get it. I got like pretty angry about it. Reading the comments on this thing, and remembering the, remembering being a Gen Xer and having people say, "Well, you guys are slackers and you don't care about it." And then to see us turn around and do the exact same thing, it's oh like let's, God. let's climb up the ladder and then pull up the ladder as quickly as we possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> me and all my friends. Um, no, and then you just made me think, yeah, or it could just be a totally great. Um, bad roommate comedy where yeah. he wraps the toilet in cellophane they put mayonnaise in the shampoo right. and just start fucking with each other because they because they don't want to live together anymore who's the funniest like young comedian right now like who's Pete Davidson okay that's what it's going to be that's yeah. what it's going to be yeah. I'm going to pitch it as like this big yeah. This and is then the parents give you Salma Hayek and Alec Baldwin. Yeah, mine is going to be called like Crabs in a Barrel, and it's yeah. this big metaphor for how yeah. this fight it represents the problems in America and how we've all been divided and then it's going to turn into a war of pranks between Alec Baldwin and Pete Davidson um, and the name is going to be like the Krabbies or something. Um, get the fuck out Michael <laughs> or um, or uh, Frozen Rotundo. <laughs> um, so one way or another this will be a good movie. It'll be a great movie. It'll be a poignant movie or a very funny movie and maybe it'll it will make you appreciate your parents or your children and each other. If you're a millennial, we'd love to know how we horribly misrepresented you and your views in this episode, even though Matt is here representing the millennial voice. I am. Now, if you didn't go to Syracuse University, give us five stars on iTunes. If you did go, give us five stars on iTunes. Write a review. We love hearing from you. Um, and Let's get out of here. Let's do it.